Welcome to the Every Thought Matters podcast, where truly every thought does matter. Join me and my guests to explore how they got to where they are and how their thoughts have changed their lives. So, as you know, click to subscribe, rate, review. That all helps me in growing this podcast to where I want it to be. So, thank you again for joining Every Thought Matters podcast. Tune in to this excellent episode with Carly Street, the award-winning writer of Fragile Storm, who is now working with Resurrection Films. And tune in as we talk about our thoughts and how the world is. And for all of you conspiracy theorists, there's an X-Files story on the back end that you're really going to love. So if you like Mulder and Scully, you're going to love this story. So tune in and enjoy the podcast. (laughs) There you go. And that's we're, we're we're good. Welcome, Carly. Good to see you. We'll actually not see you because we're just recording audio. But anyway, nice to hear your voice again. I haven't talked to you in forever. I know it does feel like ages, doesn't it? It's been a very long time. We used to do some FaceTime conversations way back in the day. But you know, how are things over there in the UK? Um, okay, confusing at the minute. Yeah. Everybody's going a little bit crazy again for the second time, mm-hmm. but I'm sure mm-hmm. it'll settle down. Yep. And the home is okay. Your husband's good. Your daughter's good. And I can't, I still can't remember your daughter's name. And that's just terrible of me. <laughs> Lily. Yeah. Oh so, my God. She is growing up so fast now. She's, she's getting taller than me. And she can do things on my phone. I've had a new phone for two days. She can do stuff on it that I, like, I have no idea how she just is just so technically minded. And you know me. You know what I'm like. I am yeah, not. Yeah, you're not. No. Yeah, I'm the opposite. That's the, the fascinating thing about kids and how they process their thoughts. Their thoughts aren't like ours because they're still not programmed to what this should be. Meaning, you know what I mean? Yeah. They don't have those thoughts yet of what, because by the time you're 18 or 19, you've got a kind of pre-programmed set of thoughts of how things are going to be. And they don't look at that stuff that way, which I think is fascinating. And I think that's a great lead into what we want to talk about. It's just like how we use those thoughts. But I kind of think that's a neat way to get back to is to think about the world that way where you discard the preconceived notions and then you come up with something really great. And then you're a ridiculously great creator. I mean, both of us, you know, worked on fragile storm and you wrote that, which I think is a stellar film. One of short of 30 awards on the film festival circuit, but tell me about what the thought process was when you started writing that. Um, it's, it's quite, it's a bit of a strange one to be fair, because the scripts that people seem to like are the ones that normally if you were going to teach somebody how to write a script or be a script writer or anything like that, you would tell them to do certain things and, and do certain patterns and go a certain way. But with that and also Room 19, I kind of just did the opposite and just let my brain, like my heart sort of lead over my brain, if that makes sense. Um So like Fragile Storm, for example, I read a poem that was on a lady's fridge when I used to do care work 
and I was just making some food for her in the kitchen just you know while she was in the living room and I just read this poem and it kind of just stuck in my mind and it was about um being forgotten and because I dealt with all sort of Alzheimer's patients and and stuff like that that was all that it ever was was just sort of fractured stories fragmented stories little strange memories um and I just it stayed with me for a couple of weeks and then I just when I had a day off I kind of just sat I think I couldn't sleep and I got up and I just I just wrote it I just wrote like the first sort of draft or the first few scenes of it just it was almost like it was almost this sounds disgusting it was always almost like throwing up on a page just of ideas and thoughts and bleh. But that's like, and that's what you were, you know, trying to teach me how to do with my TV series that I'm trying to write is just to kind of throw up on the page, just put something out yeah. there. And just then, give it out of your brain. Because like Room 19, yes. I, I couldn't, I did that in a week. The first draft of that was done in a week and it hasn't right. actually changed that much. But that is literally just my brain exploding onto a page of random sort of noir ideas that had to come out. And I physically right. couldn't get, I could not rest or sleep until I physically got them out. <laughs> yeah, and that's a fascinating thing because to me, and because I've read both of them, and obviously we both, you know, the executive producer, and I put a lot of my own money into Fragile Storm, but I've also read Room 19, and I think Room 19 was like miles beyond Fragile Storm. Because I just think the more, and it has, in my mind, has aged extremely well because I think you sent that to me in 2017 maybe yeah I'm not why? sure when you first wrote it and the more I go to it the, the more I and I still have it somewhere on my hard drive and yes I have an NDA and all that good stuff but I still think that's probably one of your best works do you know what's what's weird about that though I uh because I'd written that in like a week and I hadn't, you know, planned it properly. And it was, I thought it was quite disjointed. I just kind of needed to get it out so that I could move on to something else. Right. Um, my husband read it. Um, he doesn't, he has to be very, very gripped within like the first sort of five pages for him to actually want to sit and read it. So I gave him this to read. He said, Oh, I think I gave him a sci-fi thing to read. Cause you know, I'm, I love sci-fi. Yep. Yep. Um, and I gave him a sci-fi script to read and he was literally, he was just looking at me like, oh, I can read it, but ugh, I'm not really, I'm not really into it. What else have you got? I said, well, I've got this, this piece of crap thing that I just, <laughs> you know, literally I described yeah. it like that. It's this piece of crap thing. I was like, I, I kind of like the character. Do you want to take a look at that and see whether I can maybe, you know, move the character to something else? Well, I'll tell you what, he read it in, he must've read it in like 20 minutes and he's not a big reader. Yeah. And he just sort of sat back in his chair and he was like, that's brilliant. I was like, really? I mean, it's not. Yeah. And he's like, no, it is. I said, like, nah. And then I couldn't, I couldn't understand why he liked it. And weirdly enough, you, I think maybe a week or two later, I sent it to you because I thought, what is he going on about this script for? Because he kept telling me about it. He kept saying, oh, I love this. When it was, you know, when she was sat at the table and the cutlery and he kept mentioning yep. specific things. And I thought, he's definitely read it. <laughs> he's not trying right. to creep. Yeah. Um, and that's when I sent it to you, I think. I was like, oh, I've got this thing. I think it might be a little crap. Can you maybe right. take a look, see what you think? Because I knew that you would tell me if you, if you didn't think it had it value. Just, I knew that you would tell me. Right. Yeah, because I don't like to BS. And that's how we work. And that's why we've yeah. been, we, you know, we got lucky that you got to be there 
on set when we filmed Fragile Storm and got to meet Lance and all that good stuff. But then we became fast friends after that. Mm-hmm. And then I still think, you know, and my first inclinations on Room 19 were not the best, but I, to your husband's credit and, and being a former producer, you got to be into that story within the first five to 10 pages of the size. They're going to put it on the side and they're not mm-hmm. going to read it because you got it. And that did room 19. Got it. It did it. It, I, I didn't put it down, even though I had technical notes about it, but whatever that's still, I still think the story. And to this day and considering everything I've read and everything I've listened to, I've listened to a ton of podcasts uh, over the pandemic with my work and, I've read a lot of stuff that tie into room 19, which I think it's so relevant. And I looked it up today before this podcast taping and saw it's in pre-production in IMDb, which which makes me really, really happy because I think I really do think that's your best work to state. Doesn't mean you're not going to make something better because I do think this is your best. I think if I could, I have spent years trying to be a serious science fiction writer and it's never ever worked. I just overcomplicate sci-fi. I just can't, for some reason, my, my brain and my thought process just keeps pulling me back to these kind of sort of random twisty dramas, sort of, you know, sort of like dark, morbid, sort of slightly amusing, but twisted sort of, yeah. I don't know why. But, that's just where it goes. That's just my puke on a page. Is is that? But and that's what we both know when it comes to being passionate and literally following your thoughts, you know, with the Every Thought Matters podcast, you know, following those thoughts of let yourself puke on the page, which is what you're trying to get me to do with my kind of sci fi I don't know if it's sci fi. Would you consider that sci fi? Um, I don't know. I don't know I what it maybe. is. It's a period drama with a little bit of science fiction in it. But, and you're trying to get me to do that and trying to get me to just puke on that page, which I think is great because if we got, I mean, like I said, you won that uh, Palm Street Films uh, script writing contest. And then, you know, the kicker of winning it was it was going to get produced and it was produced and then everything lined up for me and magically to land in LA and help actually fund it and help actually get, get my hands dirty and actually make the film. So I just think that we have these thoughts and then we have to like shepherd them. Like you're laying wait at, late at night and just all of a sudden you have these thoughts. Like I got to get this out of my head. It's starting to bother yeah. the rest of my like day. A... I'm trying to, yeah, go ahead. Sometimes I just, it's just, um, it's just like a piece of diet. It's just like a sentence. Yep. I, th- I think that was what room 19 was, you know, uh, I think I had, I had something in my head and it was, it was, it wasn't even a scene. It was the character and he was just sort of sat in the motel room and he just said something and it was that sentence. And I, and I sort of almost formed a script around that moment. It just started whirring and had to come out. And sometimes I feel like you have this one sort of image or this this one sort of mannerism of a character or just one specific detail. And I think if you threw that down, then you would start to pick up sort of more paint and throw more down. And it would just, and it would, in a similar way, it would have all sort of formed around this one perfect image that you had or that you wanted out of the whole thing. 
And that's the funny thing, too, because as you said before, with script writing, there's all these little, there's 10,875 script writing people out there in the world trying to make money teaching you how to write. And the way you have done Fragile Storm, which won a ton of awards, which and I think Room 19 is going to win a ton of awards as well. You just, you did a vomit draft, but if you just started with one thing. And if you've ever listened to any sort of script writer podcasts or interviews, that's how most people have gotten their things done because they just, you know, it's write what you know and you just get that thought and you see a, a scrap of paper and all of a sudden it's there. And I've listened to a ton of things about that from anything from Joe Rogan talking to people in Hollywood to sci him talking to scientists. They just come up with this one idea and all of a sudden it's boom, it's way out of left field and they just can't stop writing because they literally like you want to get it out of their head mm -hmm. and with your thoughts and when it comes to your writing is it something you actually feel like you're receiving that thought or are you actually thinking it because that's a, a question I always ask um, do you know that's a strange one because I I don't do it so much anymore but I used to just have thousands and thousands of notebooks and I would sit very old-fashioned and I would handwrite stuff out um, spider diagrams keywords loads of different things and the strange thing is is depending what what sort of project it was or where the idea would come from I would write these things in different handwriting not on purpose I wouldn't intentionally do it and I always wondered for a while when I was doing because you can go back through them and, it, you know, like when people have multiple personalities and you can see them writing in different styles. If you flick back through my sort of script notebooks, it looks like that. It made me think, where are these coming from? <laughs> Am I tapping into right. different people, you know, or is something feeding this or I don't know. I think that's cool to me because, you know, it's also there's I, – I, Never thought of that, but I, now that I think about that, I think that's a great, you know, if you're a script writer listening to this podcast, I think that's a, a fascinating tool to write notes about your protagonists and your antagonists the way they would, but with their mannerisms, like on a pen and paper too, because there's been scientific studies about pen and paper as opposed to the computer keyboard. There's, there's so much electronic interference between you and that keyboard so but there's none between that pen and that paper or mm -hmm. a pencil it's, and paper yeah, it's just energy it's just going straight from your mind straight down through your arm to the paper yeah and write those characters in each of like if your protagonist is a messy person write that stuff in a messy you know cursive but if there's they're a neat freak write it in really small perfect letters and, and go on and you're going to find and reveal who your characters really are just from doing that which i think is fascinating and that's yeah. neat that you look back on those script notes and go well i don't know where these came from but they sure look different this one looks different this fragile storm one room 19 you know and so on and also there's always something there that i didn't see um lily uh she was going through she wanted to, she need, in lockdown she needed some paper or something she needed something to to do some homework or do something that she because she writes stories as well now at the minute she she has got crazy twisted story mind um so she's been doing that 
um, and she went through my notepads because surely I'm going to have a piece of paper. It's, I've got a forest sat there. Surely there's a piece of paper. Have a look, see what you can find. Just don't bin anything. Um, and she came over to me with like loads of random sort of, she'd been sat there reading them and she came over to me with loads of random sort of pages that were open. And when I was rereading them, I was like, oh shit, I totally left that bit out. <laughs> I thought being such an important quote and it sat there looking at me and I never put it in the script. <laughs> That's so funny. I go back to it maybe five, six years later and oh, I better put that quote in. And then, and then you start tinkering again. You're like, ah, oh, oh, I remember this. Oh, I remember that. Yeah, that's neat because then you go, all right, so then a little homework and you just put a thought in your brain to say, hey, go over those notes before I, you know, publish that final draft of my script and go see if I missed one thing. Because mm -hmm. there's that going to be that one thing where, oh, and I've done that too. Like with my story I'm working on, I'm like, oh, I forgot I even wrote that. Yeah. And I've got scribbles everywhere and I'm not as organized as most people, but I've got scribbles everywhere. and. <coughs> Before you do that, you just want to go, ah, look at all of that, coagulate it together and go, did I miss anything? Yeah. And you've always missed something. Always, oh, yeah. Always. Always. Even if you're writing, like I write a lot of op-ed type of stuff too. And I write stuff, obviously, for my coaching, which, you know, aligned with, you know, helping my co-creators, which I call, everybody else calls clients. I just call them co-creators. And I do a lot of writing for that, but I'll still go through that stuff and go, Oh, I forgot about that. I did, did that just yesterday. I'm like, Oh, I forgot to put that little note in there because I was, I wrote just on a little small community I'm on. I wrote the 10 top 10 things of, uh, from the entertainment industry that I got. And obviously, you know, there was 10 things and a couple of them were fragile storm, but then I thought I'm getting ready to do, I think have some coffee and oatmeal. And I thought, Oh man, I forgot that I got to, you know, help and watch record ADR in a Paramount sound room right on the lot. We got access to that. And I'm like, that's a, most people don't get that ever. Mm -hmm. You know, most people go through the filmmaking, their filmmaking career, making films that mean something to them, but never, most people I've heard, they do ADR, which is basically syncing your, redoing the voice, but syncing that with the lips and recording it and then mixing that audio with the, the actual footage that you shot on camera. Most people do it like in a car or some sort of soundproof room. We were in a soundproof room with Paramount at Paramount Studios, with the engineer right there, the whole thing. Just recording a couple of lines just for my, my film Funny Fair. So some of that stuff was ADR from the Paramount sound room and I was like, Oh, I forgot to add that to my little top 10 list because that's yeah. a really big deal. Anybody who's ever worked in the industry knows that that's a big deal. Yeah. So you just and that's a really cool things. film as well, by the way. You should tell people. I'm, yeah, I, actually, I love that. Oh, Funny Fair actually went out to Vimeo. And if you just search Funny Fair on Vimeo, you'll find it. I took the password off of it because it's that time of year for a nice little clown story. But that was fun. That was like an amazing experience to sit in an ADR room in Par at Paramount Studios. You know, there's got to be some legends that were in that room. Mm -hmm. You know, and I got to do that. But to your point about the notes and, oh, I forgot that. I, I had totally forgotten that because that, that's a huge deal. 
obviously it was a huge deal to meet Lance and talk to him and be on set with him and whatever, but that's still a huge deal. Yeah. So, well, you can share the moments, can't you? I don't think you have to place one over the other. No. Mm-mm. You don't. I think it's I good to share that. them. Yeah, I think it's good to have like just a positive experiences. I did share them. Right, and I did share that with some people that are not even in the entertainment industry. Like, wow, really? You And they were just like, whoa, that's wild. You know, because I got a little community where it's no politics or anything like that. It's just about a bunch of people talking about you know, recipes and other kind of stuff. And I just write just so I can get that, like you with your, your screenwriting. I just, I got to get stuff out of my head mm-hmm. and none of it's like crazy stuff, but it's just like, you know, top 10 things. I just think that's fascinating. I wrote a story about me in a baseball glove and it resonated with them to the point where everybody else wrote more stories about it. Which oh, I thought was cool. really cool. Yeah. I wrote this story about this baseball glove and all of a sudden, Four or five other people in the community would just decided uh, they shared little baseball stories. I'm like, cool. It was neat. But I got to get that stuff out. And I've got notes like you about my TV show. I've, I've got a movie that just I worked on back in 2015 that I was writing. But all of a sudden it came, out of, came to me out of nowhere. And that's where I personally believe. And I don't know. I just think I've gotten to the point where I believe that we receive thoughts we don't think them. Mm-hmm. And I just received the thought again about that script. And I don't know why. Well, you got to act upon it. Mm-hmm. You trust it for a reason. Yep. And I, I could talk to you for days because like, we're, it's <laughs> fascinating to me because I look back and I'm trying to rewrite my story because the stories we tell ourselves are our thoughts, right? So growing up and whatever childhood you have and whatever childhood I have, I have all those thoughts and that's, those are the stories that we tell ourselves and how we interact with people or just like I work, you know, the world's largest retailer and I tell a story about myself there and I know it's not a good story. It's not a happy story because I've been on top of the world. I've been, you know, on a set, you know, with one of the, arguably one of the best actors, you know, in the world. But here I am working at the world's largest retailer and our thoughts that we do, that we have, that we've been programmed to affect our story and how we actually bring energy to the world, which is why I truly like you because you, God, I'm talking with my hands and everything. You just, <laughs> you bring out the ener- the really positive energy in me. And I go back and I look at my story that I talk about with my retail job and I'm going, I'm, that's not a good story. So I have to rewrite those thoughts. Have you ever had those kind of challenges with what you're doing and where you're at with any of your writing? Cause I know you've, you're not just a screenwriter. You've written novels and stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was hard. Yeah. Um, theater plays was, was that came out of the, that came out of nowhere. That was just uh, an idea that somehow just seated, seated in my brain. And then God bless the guys at Resurrection Films. I just get these silly ideas in my head and decide we're doing this. Um, and before anybody's realized it's a bad idea, we're already halfway in doing it. <laughs> yeah. We're too far to back out because I've already, you know what, I've gone, I've bolted, the horse has gone out <laughs> of the stable and right. it's me. Yep. Um, but then that can be quite challenging especially with because i'm like you i don't like resurrection's doing really well but it's a very young company takes a lot of 
a lot of focus and a lot of work. Um, mm-hmm. I, you know, I have to work nine to, up nine to five to make sure there's a cushion there for anything that needs for family and for company and for stuff like that. So it is hard sometimes to keep the positivity because particularly during the pandemic, uh, my husband and I were working just full time, just nonstop to make sure that we had a cushion because you never know at the time you didn't know if you had a job, you, you're lucky. Um, But obviously then that meant that the creative aspect suffered a lot because either your brain just couldn't deal with it. It was too, it just wasn't functioning. And I, I never figured out whether it was sort of the aura of what's going on generally in the world, right. being tired and, and run down or just having a sort of slide in priority and, and my, my thoughts going into, you need to box that off for a second because it will distract you. Does that make sense? It, it does because it just means it's your normal because pretty much, Anybody that's gone through this is feeling the same thing. And I know, truthfully, I'm very blessed. You know, like I said, telling the, and that goes back to your thoughts and telling the story, just like I was talking about, I got to tell a better story about that job. And because there's parts of that job that I truly love. I love my customers. I have customers that just walk by the deli counter and say hi to me, even though they're not buying anything, but they've done, you know, they just want to know that they appreciate me. And yeah. And there's great things about it. And, re- and I just have to rewrite that story because. Yeah. And it is hard to do. It's taken me it a long is. time. It's taken me a long, long time to be able to do that and be comfortable with doing that. Because like, you know, if you're a creative person and you go somewhere, you go to a job, for example, well, it can be anywhere. If you go somewhere and people go, oh, well, what do you do? Naturally, the first thing you want to say is not, oh, I work in this place. It's, oh, well, actually, I've got this film company and you go off right. on a little tangent and you will know the look that people give you where they just go, all right, okay. And that's soul crushing. And I it think is. that that is sometimes, that's the thing that makes you feel negative about the other aspects. So for example, the day-to-day nine to five, because you're already anticipating that face, if that makes sense, before you've even said anything. That's how I feel anyway. And it's took me a long time to be able to say, and what? Look at my website. You know, just simple things that I can just feel, but I can just say it, feel happy, walk away. Well, it's, that's the, it's the same thing with that. Because, and I'm done the same because before the pandemic, I would go to the little hole in the wall bar down here and I would, and they would, I had no problem telling people, you know, I work there, at, you know, that world's largest retailer in the deli, come say hi. You know, and I didn't, and I still don't, I don't think it, I don't look down upon myself. So, but it is a a challenge to rewrite that story in your head, using your thoughts and letting them go and say, yeah, I work there, but I also am a holistic life coach. And now I have a podcast, which Mm -hmm. I'm just, the podcast part of me, and I just am ecstatic that I'm doing this and because I've got a laundry list of people that I just want to talk to. I, you know, and I just think this to me is fun. I mean, seriously, as much as Fragile Storm was fun, it was a lot of work, 
but this is fun and where I get to be, I, uh, just as you know, I get to be a producer and I have to produce this. I have to produce the, you know, the guests. I have to produce the audio and I have to merge it and I have to submit it. But, you know, it, last week it got accepted on iTunes. So now it's going to be on iTunes. So that's great. But I have to do all of that, which is for me fun. Mm. It's, it is. It's fun for me. I love doing all of that. Audio editing, like we talked about before the call, it's like, well, I'm not sure about that. Mm-hmm. But I'll figure it out enough to know. But as a producer of anything, whether it's film, whether it's theater, and that, that theater project I thought of yours was really brilliant. But by the way, you thought it was, mu- you know, a mucky little thing. And I'm like, no, that was, <laughs> this is a brilliant idea. And it was out of left field. But that's your, your creative genius that you have. And like you said, just going back to, yeah, I got a nine to five, but I'm with Resurrection Films. And so I think your creative genius, when you start owning that, the nine to five thing doesn't bother you as much. Same here with mine. Once this podcast gets going and once, you know, I secure some more co-creators with my coaching practice, and you know, it's all on. That's, that's the life I want to live. Yeah. I have to admit that I find podcasting incredibly fun. I didn't think I would. But this is another one of those crazy ideas that just, you wake up one day, hey, Jason, how about yeah. a podcast? And then he's on the same, he's thought, I swear like I can send, ping my thoughts from my brain straight to his. So that by the time he wakes up with my question of, how about a podcast? Or how about theatre play? Or how about this bit of nonsense? He's already got it absorbed it and he's like i was thinking the same thing (laughs) yeah and it's fun because one of what i'm you know right now this is only truthfully i've I've done some so i've done one solo episode and then one guest episode so you're my second guest episode and i just see so many endless possibilities for this and i and i've truthfully listened to a lot of podcasts over this pandemic just you know, I thought, okay, because after we close, I can just put on my headphones and I just turn on the podcast. And I've listened to a lot of, lot of stuff, especially you know around the pandemic and all of that, and you know even the current wacky political climate. I've listened to a lot on all. I've been become so much more educated because of it, which is fantastic. And now I just listen to it, and I remember this distinctly. I was working and I was cleaning, washing dishes. And I'm listening to Joe Rogan interview Miley Cyrus. And I just, I was hooked. Like, this is what I got to do. I knew in the middle of that, that's what I want to do. I want to, because I'm, as someone who knows me, I'm comfortable with talking to people in person. Mm-hmm. And not just in the actual physical, but even on the phone, I help people relax because I don't, I don't, and I've learned this about myself, just like you've learned about that nine to five thought process. I've learned my thought process is that when I meet people, I offer zero resistance to their being. And when I do a podcast, I do the same thing. You don't feel any resistance from me to say what you should say or what you shouldn't say. You're naturally being yourself, which lends itself to be a perfect vehicle for who I am as a human being to be truthful with you. I think this format, the podcast format, lends that self. And with you and Jason and yours, it lends itself for you guys to talk about, 
you know, like your one of your favorite things I think you could talk for days about is this film Noir, which is oh, one of your... Oh, God, yes, right. we could. Right. <laughs> there right? is so much up, there's a limit. People, <laughs> people yeah. would be like, no, it's never ending. <laughs> no, but that's what the fun thing about this format is you can just sort of do, just going back to like your screenwriting, you can do a little vomit draft and just let it sit out there. And I... I didn't want this curated. I don't want it to be perfect. I want it to be real. Yeah. So, and I That's think what I have we that, did yeah. with our podcast. I think the reason yeah. why people like it so much is not because we're talking really intelligent stuff about film noir. It's because we're talking absolutely batshit crazy, nonsensical stuff about film noir and random stuff in general. Because right. we do go off on a little tangent very easily. But I think people feel like they could be sat there with us enjoying that tangent or not. That's what I <laughs> want to be able to, that's what I want to be able to create is where people feel like they're just sitting with you and me, listen to us talk, having mm -hmm. a beer or having, you know, a Coke or whatever. They're having, you know, and they're just listening to us go back and forth. That's the format that I want to create. Yeah. And I know, Two episodes in, I'm, I'm this. When I got done with my last episode last week, I felt like I just walked off a film set. It was the same feeling, Carly. Oh, awesome! I know it was the same exact euphoria that you. I can't describe it to people who've never been on the in, in the entertainment industry, but when you're on a film set, the thought process is that everybody's working towards the same goal. And I remember the guy who. Uh, was the executive producer, producer of Forrest Gump. I'm pretty sure it was this. He had a quote, and I'm going to paraphrase it, but he says, why did you think Forrest Gump was so successful? Because everybody, and he said, because everybody in the cast and crew were working for the same goal. You know, because you've mm -hmm. been on, I've been on film sets where it's not about everybody working towards the same goal, which is that entire movie, beginning to end, good sound, good hair, makeup, Good, even good craft services where people get fed properly. Mm -hmm. So they feel and, energized and. Yeah. Right. And they got the right kind of, you know, food, you know, that they need for their specific diets and, and so on. If everybody's going towards the same goal, then that's so magical. Mm -hmm. And when I got done with that podcast last week, I felt that same thing. I'm like, wow, it was, I was on an endorphin high like you wouldn't believe. And I will be today because I can already feel like I'm I'm getting in that in that mode because even though the the red red lights on we're recording I don't care <laughs> and that's how it should be and I don't know how how many episodes in are you and Jason into your podcast and tell my audience about it so they can go find it too by the way oh God we're um let me oh gosh let me just check we did a couple of episodes um recently for series two. I think we've got 20 episodes because we've got a couple of doubles, so it's hard to keep track. But I think mm -hmm. we've got 20 episodes of series one, and then we've got a one off special that's coming in the next week or so. And then we're going to get into series two. Um, and it's quite exciting with no, I can't say it, Noir Ember. It's like a little hashtag thing on Noir Twitter and Facebook. Yeah, Noir Ember. Noir Vember, huh? Yeah, celebrating all What's kinds of film noir. What's the name of your podcast? Noir. 
The Speakeasy Noir Cast. It's called Speakeasy Noir Cast. And where yeah. can they, people find it? Everywhere. Uh, Anchor, I, Spotify, iTunes, Google Cast, Radio Republic. Great. Nice. YouTube as well. Uh, it's coming to uh, YouTube soon. Yeah, I mentioned I will be at that point at some point where I'll do video as well as audio. But for some reason, people like YouTube views of people doing podcasts. Yeah, it's hard. We've not gone with that because it's quite tricky for us. Um, Either he's going to be in bright sunshine and I'm going to be in miserable darkness, which is probably quite (laughs) accurate, to be fair. Right. Um, Right. But it's quite tricky for us for the times that we have to do it for me to not look like a zombie and for him to not spill stuff on camera yeah so we've opted for trying to come up with other ways so it's so it's on youtube because there are some people i mean i wouldn't personally but there are a lot of people that do kind of like to play youtube videos and just listen um so we've got some like uh animation that will that we're sort of experimenting with and then we've got some which just clips and to make you feel tranquil there's a few different things that we're trying i think it'll take a while to find the right fit i've seen that too because i listen like when i ride my bike to work i listen to abraham hicks which is law of attraction stuff and (laughs) i never look at the videos but some of those videos are just the animation thing of the people talking yeah yeah we've i don't know how to generate those yeah i don't know how to make those but those seem cool if you need a visual going along with the audio, mm-hmm. but I don't know. You guys are everywhere and you're 20 episodes in on your first, what, first season or first, what did you call it, series? Yeah, well, I say yep. series, he says season. I guess you say season as well. <laughs> yeah, so your first season's in, in out there and you're 20 episodes in and you're about to start uh, – Noir November, so that's kind of cool. Mm-hmm. And now you've got Room 19, which is in pre-production. What else you got going on? We've got a few things. We just did a second book. That's just what? gone. That's in Walmart. Um, and what? some. Why is it? Is it Barnes it... & Noble? Is that a thing over there? Yeah, it is. Okay, so that must be... The... Jason tells me these things and forgets that I don't understand America. So... <laughs> I'm just like, yeah, okay, is that cool? (laughs) It's not like W.H. Smith, I don't know. (laughs) Right. Um, So that's the second book. Uh, What else have we got? Oh, we're working to try and do a horror before the end of the year um, called Old Sins, which I can't really say too much about that because the story might change because we're constantly working on it. It has been for about two, two, three months now. Nice. Um, Working on a second documentary to follow Millennium. Um, we did The Curious Case. We need to, we're going to try and get that into an anthology oh. film as well, tying up a few loose ends with a few other bits. Hopefully that makes it before the end of the year, definitely on Amazon. Nice. And that's all with Resurrection Films? Yes. Yes, Very yes, nice. yes. We are everywhere, saturating everybody's brains whether they want it or not (laughs) yeah and you can find resurrection films on instagram by the way so for the folks listening that's where it's at and any information about that that's probably your for me that's your go-to point where resurrection films and 
that's kind of what will lead you to the podcast. It'll lead you to the books and it'll lead you to everything else, mm-hmm. which is great. Cause that's where I find most of your information from is that particular Instagram account. So yeah, we're having else? fun with it. We're trying to jazz it up a little bit. So it's, there'll be things yeah, out there hard. and then they're suddenly gone, but it, yeah, it's quite fun. I like Instagram. I like the people, I like the people on there. Twi- I like Twitter as well. We have a nice community of people on there as well that we can, every now and again, we all just jump on and have such a laugh with people. So Good, nice. Which is what you need. Yeah. I like Instagram, like most of mine stuff on there is curated and I use Canva for most of my graphics and then just, I'll write something and then I'll post it and let, and you know, I recently I just finished this book called Irresistible by Adam Alter, which is published in 2017, but it's very relevant today. It's about our social media addiction. So I've really tried to limit most of my social media stuff that I've got going on right now. Mm-hmm. So I don't like literally I deleted Facebook and Twitter off of my phone, which freed up so much of my time. It's not even funny. I'll go on their Facebook and Twitter and, you know, messenger like, you know, cause that's how you and I communicate and do that. But I pretty much eliminated that, which eliminates a lot of cl- clutter in my brain because yeah, I'm cleaning up my brain. Oh, they're so, yeah. Yeah. Well, we, I did a test a while ago, actually, um, because I was, I was unsure how people w- I was trying to share some stuff and trying to, you know, like you do, trying to like get a little bit of promotion going, sort of grassroots style. And it wasn't happening. Nothing was happening. I thought, well, my friends and family can't be that ignorant and awful. And I did a, a couple of series of tests and anything positive that I posted didn't seem to be showing right. up in people's feeds unless I specifically directed them to it or tagged them in it. Anything slightly negative that I put on there I was getting, you know, 10 comments, two messages, likes, this. And I thought, that's what was making me think, how can, how can they be so, is it concern? Is it like, what is it? And anything negative that I posted was showing in people's times, timelines, even people that didn't really, didn't really interact with that much. People that I used to work with, you know, 10, 15 years right. ago that don't even, you know, haven't even seen Lily. And I was thinking, how are they seeing that, but they're not seeing my request to just like a page? Yeah, and it, and it was it, that really put me off um, social media, to be honest, because I thought if that's the algorithm it's showing to people, yeah. why can't why can't it share the joy? Why can't it share the happiness? Why can't it share the you know the positivity? But the minute that it dips, it's like it just feeds. If that if that was real and not a test, can you imagine how much energy I getting fed that was negative? when I was already right. feeling negative already, it just made it me think, oh, that's a bit dangerous territory. It is. <laughs> it's hard to do that because there's a lot of, I don't know. It's interesting because, I don't know, there's just a lot of, a lot of people focus on negative external things when mm-hmm. for me, just my own soapbox, it's my podcast, I can say this, is I think believe people just need to, go back in and change your thoughts, change your world, but change it to your thoughts and your world because the reality you see is the reality that you receive. And if you get rid of most of that external stuff, you're good to go. And then you're not, you know, feeling like you're living in a bad black mirror episode. 
You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is that there was that one Black Mirror episode where basically it was the killer bee, mechanical killer bee ones that was brought up in a podcast I listened to yesterday. Like, oh, I forgot about that. I got to watch that again. Because it feels like sometimes we're living in a simulation or something, you know, which we're not. But it's just like you're just feeding me all this negative information. I don't want that negative information. Mm-hmm. That's why I've deleted most of that stuff off of my it's hard to, to to block it out as well i mean for halloween um just gone right we had to, we spent a great deal of time doing you know halloween makeup and things in the house because just simply for the fact to teach lily that you don't need a stupid filter to show people that you don't know that right. you've had a nice time at halloween why don't we skip the filter try and actually do the makeup you know, ourselves, and then take a real picture. Why do we need to have a filter of us pouting when all we've done all night is pout into our phone? It, it doesn't make sense to me. Maybe yeah. I'm just old. I don't know. I think I'm just a, a miserable old woman. It doesn't make You're sense not, to me. But... And I don't want her relying on unrealistic filters that she's going to judge herself to. So I thought, right, we're going to nip this in the bud straight away since, you know, we had to give in and get, get her a phone. Now she has access to this. Um, and we we just had so much fun and just just so much of a laugh and so many genuine compliments as well that she, that we weren't even looking for, just because we actually did it got off our backside and did it ourselves. It, it didn't take long. It wasn't a lot of effort. I didn't go and buy anything that we didn't have. Um, and it just it scares me because people that hide behind these filters and things like that. If they just went and did their own thing and tried it themselves, they'd probably get more positive energy back because they'd done something different and tried it themselves. You know what I mean? I do because, you know, I was just receiving some thoughts about that because it just that goes to me personalizing that. It's like that's about this podcast. There's no filters. Like you just heard Ginny, you know, barking, you know, and I'm like, my first thought was, oh, that's going to be on the podcast. And my second thought was, so what? Mm-hmm. Who cares? It's my dog. Yeah. Whatever. If you can, it's great. So, and there's no filter there. And I just, I don't know. I just enjoy not having to live with that filter. And I'm learning more and more how to do that because I'm a lifelong people pleaser. I'm a people pleasing addict personally, or I should say a recovering people pleaser. So learning to have no filter and not being mean and saying, I don't care what other people think, but I don't allow other people's opinion of me to alter how I, right. It's like a virus. I mean, we got COVID, but that's a bigger virus than COVID because it's just, you know, in a sense, in a personal sense, not in a health sense, but allowing other people's opinions of you to infect you that's not a good thing and that's how you can get better at this world and that's why some of the people i look up to like joe rogan and bridget fantasy and like mina kimes she does sports and but she does podcasts and she's so great at it uh dan patrick does it really really well dan patrick knows how to make people feel at ease when he does it and he's a sports guy in the u.s so you probably don't know who it is which is no, fine. But I, I'll just do what I normally do and go, oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> right. 
I am going to pass an American one day. <laughs> no, yeah, whatever. Just, but you know, people that are on podcasts, like probably Jason probably makes you feel like you're just having a conversation and you're not even recording. Yeah. Oh, he still rips the crap out of me like he would generally on the phone. <laughs> right. I meet him. So, I meet him. Yeah. I know. But isn't that great though? Cause oh, yeah. I don't even tell what was the story? How did you two even, I know you met on social media and then you've actually met in person because you went to film yeah. to Vancouver once, right? Oh, see this, this is, this story is like a prime example of, um, I always loosely believed, but after that, I was like, I'm sold. I'm, I'm going to, you know, everybody needs to, to jump on my bandwagon because this, this is a thing. And it's very similar to, to what you say, you know, every thought matters. You are what you think. You are what you think. And um, it's funny how things, if you keep believing and you keep envisioning something, even it might be absolutely ridiculous. But eventually I think it will loop back round because that happened to me. Um, so I'd met Jason on social, through social media, through Troy. Yep. I was talking to Troy about like some scripts and stuff. He should just have a little chat. And he said, oh, I've got this in room 19 again. He said, oh, I've got this this weird little script that my husband thinks is all right. And I'd said, by this time I'd sent it to you. And I was like, well, Kelly thinks it's all right. So two people telling me that it's not too bad. I was like, it's neo-noir. It's like film noir. I don't know what to do, what to do with it. And he went, oh, I'll stop you straight away. Because he, he doesn't like film noir. And he said, I'm right. not reading it. I'm not reading it. I, I don't, I'm not a fan. I won't get it. Right. But I've got the guy for you. He was like, give me a couple of days. Give me the script. And I'll be back in touch. And the guy that he was talking about was Jason. Right. So Jason read it. And then we ended up on the phone. And it was just like, it was so, it was the weirdest thing. It was as if we'd known each other. An entire lifetime. You know what I mean? We were just, yep. everything just clicked. And he was saying what he was envisioning before I could describe what I was envisioning. And they were both the same things. No. And we were kind of quoting the same films and the same um, sort of visuals and actors and everything. Yep. And it was just like, oh my good Lord, where have you been? <laughs> yeah, but it was and it the turns right time out at the right place. <laughs> exactly and it turns out he'd been looking for a, a neo-noir film script for ages oh my goodness yep and then as we got talking more um it turned out that we'd been writing the same things just slightly yeah. differently for years so he'd, he sent me this um he said oh, i've got this do you want to read some of my stuff i was like yeah do you want to read some of my stuff like two little kids right yeah right right sure yeah you know what it's like when you find a new friend and you're like, oh, look at this, look at that. So I'm like, oh, I've got this sci-fi idea about this Area 51 thing. And he's like, sure, I've got a sci-fi idea about this Area 51 thing. Mine's a film, sure. So I was like, mine's a TV series. What's it called? Dreamland. What's yours called? Dreamland. What? Are you kidding me? Nope. Um, wow. There was that. There was, oh God, there was a few. There was a couple of horrors as well where they would basically, when you boiled it down, they were the same thing. But, you know, maybe his was located in a hotel where mine was located in a car. Right. Or, you know, they, we yeah. were both kind of dancing with one location, weird stories that just weren't, neither of us had them there. Right. So then as soon as we started chatting, got to, you know, we were able to kind of like combine scripts as well. 
at one point to make one sort of finish one and it was so so creepy and we had this idea of starting the company you know and toying with it and they were filming the last bit of the millennium documentary in vancouver in december right and they will they said oh, you know why don't you come out it'd be really fun right we can all meet up we can right. sort out if we're doing this company or not so yeah yeah I've always wanted to go to Vancouver. It's like my spiritual home. I was, I was so excited. Yep. So by some miracle, my husband manages to find some flight tickets that are just enough that we have. Yeah, I remember thing. that. Yeah. So we're all set to go. Everything's happening. We're all excited. And then all, on our way to the airport, we had the worst snowstorm, I think, in Britain's history for the past like 20 years. Even though we left 10 hours before we were meant to be at the airport, we could not get out of Birmingham. We got stuck in like, it basically it was like getting stuck, stuck in a down pipe. You couldn't wow. get out. Once, once you got in, we could not get out. We, were, we had people pushing the car. We had vans, lorries, cars were just spinning around like they were on an ice rink. It was horrendous. And there was no way we were getting there. It was not happening. I was crying in the car, streets panicking because I'm crying. Mm -hmm. And So we eventually managed to dig out, to get out. Um, we thought, what do we do? Just keep driving. Just let's just go to the airport. We're too far. Like we, if we turn back, it's going to be five hours and we're going to have to go back through that again. Let's just keep driving to London. Right. At least we can pull over. So we carried on going. Now, all the way I'd been on the phone with the, the company for my ticket, because we booked yep. it through third party, so there's nothing they could do. Uh. We had no cover, nothing. It was basically tough shit. We couldn't have the money back because they, they hadn't declared that the flights weren't flying. Oh, man. So we, we were screwed. I even spoke to Air Canada on the phone, and they were, there's nothing we can do. All you can do is give up your ticket. If you're 100% not going to be there... The only thing you can do is give up your ticket. And that is just you being a good person so that somebody else can take your seat. Fuck oh, it. Wow. Give up the seat. Right. You know, we're not getting right. on it. Whatever. So we get there and I'm crying in floods of tears, dragging my little suitcase <laughs> over all these people that are marooned in London airport. Right. Yes. <laughs> it's, it's like something out of, a, out of a film. It's horrendous. And my husband walked to the desk and he just went, is there any chance at all? that I can buy another ticket to Canada. Right. We missed it. You know, we were stuck in Birmingham. Is that, I'll, let me know how much it is and I will see if I can get the money. And the woman just looks at him and went, okay, what flight were you on? She gives her the details. She just looked at him and went, that's fine. Air Canada have waived all of their transfer fees today. We can oh, get you wow. on a Vancouver flight in two hours. Is that okay? What? Yeah, that's more than okay. Are you kidding me? And I was right. like, straight away, boom, I was at the counter like, excuse me, what, how much is this going to cost? And she's going, no, it's absolutely fine. Um, two people gave up their, two people aren't going to make it onto the flight we can put you on and they've given up their seat so you can take it. What? <laughs> Are you for real? Serendipity. So we got on the plane, managed to get there, finally meet the guys, have an right. awesome time. And the most random thing to happen out of all of this was that they somehow managed to get me on the x-files set I, right I've been, I a life, right. Yep, I've been a lifelong x-files fan chris yep. carter was my writing idol when i first started right 
and so you're talking i was like 12 you're talking from 12 to then mm -hmm. the most random and i used to always imagine myself on the x-files set with chris carter i never wanted to be an actor you know what i'm like i never want to be an actor i'm not i'm not an in no that's not person. your deal no nope. it's not me i just i wanted to be there with a clipboard you know nick chris carter just being involved right. and oh my god i was an entire day i was sat right behind him for an entire day not Whoa. able to speak i got to watch everything he even spoke to he knew my name and i was just on cloud nine how in the hell did this circle happen your how? thoughts yeah because we had such an impossible journey we should not have made it there no and we did, did make it there and then and to then have that, that we didn't we didn't go for that. That's, that's something that Troy, no. God bless his heart, sorted out yeah. for me the day before. And I still didn't believe him. I didn't believe we, right. it was happening. I wouldn't have believed him either, personally. No. And I know Troy, so. I didn't believe it was happening until, like, I, I, Jason was like, are you, are you getting ready? Are you coming? And then all of a sudden, this car pulled up. Oh, my God. <laughs> what? Are we getting there? And he's like, yeah, we're getting there. Oh, shit. There's free water, mineral water in this car. Oh, my God. Where are we going? And that's where it was. Wow. But that, you just, to me, that's about literally changing your thoughts changed your world because you mm -hmm. just believed that you had this idea that was, you know, worthwhile. And I'm... And I'm kind of like Troy. I'm not a big film noir fan, but I'm a big Carly Street fan. And <laughs> I no, have I really am. Fun of you. <laughs> right. And, you know, I'm just, that is just you manifesting something by putting it out there and then let, forgetting about it and letting it go. And that's what I do in my coaching. I just tell people just, you know, write it out and then let it go. Yeah. And then that, to me, the X-Files thing was the, the cherry on, you know, like all of that. Because that's just, yeah. you believed in it, that the serendipity of those two people not needing those seats, for you guys to drive, you know, what was it, six hours to London, which is not exactly easy driving, by the way. Yeah. And Especially in a snowstorm. <laughs> in a snowstorm. Thank you very much. We're you not talking country driving. Up. Yeah, you could not right. have made up, made up this. If I told the story, no. people would be like, yeah, right. No, honestly, right, it was right. that dramatic. That sounds like more of a Sandra Bullock film than it does sound yeah. like anything else. And yeah, with Ryan Reynolds. Said, yep. Right, Sandra Bullock and Ryan Reynolds, right. Yep. Yeah, Street is Ryan Reynolds and you're Sandra Bullock. And yep. Rest. <laughs> but still, you put your thoughts out there and believed in what you wanted and that just connected you you know, through yeah. Troy, who happens to work with Lance Hendrickson, who's in Franchise Storm, which is how you got to know Troy. Just to circle back with my listeners, who, who like we were talking about, oh, Troy, like, yeah, he works with Lance, and that's how you know him, and mm -hmm. put you in touch with Jason, who works with Lance on the Millennium Project. It's a documentary about that TV show, correct? Mm -hmm. And yeah. which would Lance start in and was nominated for a couple, of, I think one or two Emmys for that show role that he played on that particular show and all of that led you to jason which leads you to your podcast led you to the x-file set mm -hmm. you just meet the x-files writer the showrunner that's guy's a showrunner which mm -hmm. for the neophytes a showrunner basically is the writer 
any executive producer of the show that basically they say, this is how this show is going to go. These are my characters. Like if I'm writing my own TV show. I will be a showrunner for it if it ever gets produced to be able to produce it, to say, this is who I want as my lead character and blah, 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 blah. And also sit in the writer's room and you got to sit in the writer's room, right? No, I sat, I basically, on the set. Um, on the set yeah. We went to this, uh, location somewhere in, in fact, God knows where it was. Um, and they were like, you can't take pictures. You can't do this. I had to sign mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, a form and give oh, them sure, my I'll waiver and everything. Yep. Right. And I was so scared and I was, I desperately, I was, we were walking around Mulder's house was the first oh. memory that I have was so we went in this place and they were like, okay, they're filming somewhere else. So you just go and watch this. And it was them setting up a film, setting up a scene in Mulder's house. And all I could think, I was just stood there and they must have clocked me. I was just stood there thinking, oh my God, I want that poster. And I was just looking right? at stuff like, oh God, I need that pencil. I didn't need it, but I, I did. And you then Jason's I mean. thinking the same thing. He's walk, He's looking around like, I think they've clocked us. Well, maybe if we can walk around again, we might get it. And I'm like, yes, I need that bit of newspaper as well. Um, <laughs> I need this. I need that. I know. It's, it's fascinating when you're on one of those. I mean, even our, for me, our Fragile Storm set was really, really cool because it, it was on a soundstage, which just blew me away. Mm -hmm. And it's just walking around going, whoa, because I have very distinct memories of that. And I'll probably just do a podcast about that at some point in time the thoughts that I had around what I saw and just how people made things. Cause I just find that kind of stuff fascinating, but just watching them and on the Mulder's house. And oh, I've been, I'd incredible. have been just like a kid in the candy store. Cause I just find that so fascinating, but that's, I was just everybody trying to do this. Yes. Giggling like a little 12 year old I girl. Was, yeah. I was like yep. a kid. And then yep. we couldn't yep. believe it when they took us round and they said, Oh, these, these are your two chairs and here's your radios. What the hell is that for? They give you radios even? Yep. And they, what so you the could hell hear is them for? talking about setting, okay, we need to set up so, on, on stage three. We need to set up lighting yeah. here. So yeah, we were sat there and we thought, well, okay, well, wow. we'll just wait a second. We'll just wait a second because maybe, maybe there's a mix up and maybe we're not really meant to sit in them chairs. So we were just waiting. And then all of a sudden, Chris Carter just appears and he sits in the giant chair in front of ours where all the monitors are and our two right. chairs are right behind his. So we spent so the entire in video village. Yep. In the entire wow. day, we, we sat behind him watching the monitors. Yeah. That's great. And I think that's a great way to end this podcast on something that magnificent to me. I don't think it gets much better than that. No, because that, that was what cemented that. Uh, Resurrection Films, because obviously... Right. I'd been yep. drawn to Canada for years and years and right. years and I went and that happened. We got back straight away. Let's set this company up. Let's get some stuff done because how can we, how can I not put myself on the line when that has just happened, when that's transpired and happened, which is basically right. my dream. That right. would have been my dream other than, you know, right. getting married and having a kid. That was my dream to, to be sure. on the X-Files set and meet Chris Carter and that happened and they made that happen. So how can I not, do this damn company and try and make some stuff. And let's leave it with that because I just tell everybody whether they can find you on social media, your Twitter account, your Instagram's resurrection films, your Twitter front accounts, probably resurrection films. Right? Uh, it's inside room 19 is Twitter. Oh, inside room 19. Inside room Twitter. 19. Yeah. And speakeasy in the cast as well. Great. 
Well, this has been a blast. This has been way better than I thought it would be. Yay! It's my second time in, and it's just, I don't know. It's so neat because I love the, the final story of how you met Jason. And that just proves to me and to everyone else that, you know, you put it out there, it, it'll happen. Dreams do come true. Definitely. Seriously. Definitely. And also, I should just quickly mention, yes, Mark. Yes, please. You know, Mark, obviously Mark um, was supportive of Fragile Storm as well. Yep. And he he has had a full circle as well, along with Troy, of coming back around, looping around, and being able to create and be free with the company right. as well. So it's hopefully we've we found a few people like Ian Stopforth, our artist. Yep. Kind of collected a few souls that, yep. that maybe needed a voice. And we're yep. just swooping around, grabbing them, and just puking their voices everywhere. <laughs> very, very good. Well, it's been wonderful to talk to you. And I do appreciate you taking the time, especially on a Monday after you got home from work and everything. So oh, again, I love thank speaking you so much. You. I love speaking to you. I'll speak to you anytime. I know. I know. And I love talking to you. Give my best to Street and Lily for me, okay? I will. All right. I'll talk to you later and I'll figure out the technical side of this. Ha. Cool. Have fun. <laughs> Bye. Bye.